eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone, except for this one's a little special because this one, I got my new co-host, Howard Griffin, joining me. And Howard, man, I appreciate you joining this podcast and maybe now I'll get more than two listeners to it, man. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my son might be one of the listeners now, so we might be up to three. But we'll have to figure it out. All right. Um, let's just jump right into this, man. When you look at this Big Ten, th- this yeah. is something that that we talk about here in, in Detroit. It's almost like a chaos year. It, it This is a year where... I don't think that there's a dominant team. Last year, everybody knew it was mm. Georgia and maybe Alabama, and then Alabama had Jamison Williams get injured, and then it was just Georgia, and everybody else mm-hmm. just was paying rent and taxes to them. This year is different, Howard. <laughs> this year, anybody could win this thing. There's no dominant team. Tennessee yeah. just knocked out Bama, and when you look at the Big Ten, you got Michigan coming off a, a resounding— mm-hmm. I mean, they, they crushed— Penn State, I, they may have broken Penn State because last remember last year Penn State started off five and zero. They lost to Iowa yeah. and never really recovered. You got Michigan. I think they broke Penn State, took their soul. Ohio State is just cutting through the league like a hot knife through butter. I, I, is this something? I, is it me or it looks like the Big Ten is turned into the Big Two, Little Twelve? <laughs> well, I don't know that it's necessary to that extent, I think. But if we're looking at it from a national perspective, I think that's going to be the narrative. You're going to look at Ohio State. You're going to look now at Michigan because particularly, as you already mentioned, what they did to Penn State was, was, was something else. I mean, I don't even think the score is really indicative of how that game ultimately was played. I think Penn State only had 14 plays in the first half. And they were still up at halftime, I believe, but I mean, going into the half. but <laughs> The value of turnovers, still, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think what's, what we're seeing, uh, and I've been talking about this a little bit and I'm starting to see it, but you, to me, you look at Ohio State, right? And, and what they're doing, uh, they can play big boy football if they want to, which, you know, from a national perspective, they were accused of not being able to do. When they played Michigan last year, Michigan kind of pushed them around a lot. So they had to address that this offseason. 
But what you're seeing is they'll get in threes, they'll get in backs, they'll get in four wide receivers, and, and they will beat you uh, many different ways from offensive formation standpoint. And you're starting to see that same thing, I think, from the Wolverines as well, where they can get a lot of different personnel groups in there and, and can get after you. Now, listen, J.J. is going to continue to develop uh, as a quarterback, as a pocket passer, because he can make all the throws. To me, it's just sometimes he may hold on to the ball a little bit long. But when you look at the way those two teams are playing and then you couple that with their defense, that's kind of how it looks. It's those two teams right now that that are at the top of the Big Ten, and, and it's kind of everyone else fighting for that number three spot right now. Yeah, because everybody seems to just be beating up on everybody else, but those two teams. And I guess to me, the thing that has most impressed me, because right now I think if they play, and I think even Vegas right now agrees with me, I think Ohio State has the edge over Michigan, is Ohio State is just they're, they're just interchanging players. Okay, uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigma hasn't played since Notre Dame game. No worries. Uh-huh. Uh, we got this guy named Marvin Harrison the third. He can go out there and get this job done. And you almost forget that Najigma plays on the team running backs. One goes down, another one pops up. Yeah. Oh, this one's down. Okay, mm-hmm. this one comes in there. I, I, I mean, I've, I've really, aside from that Notre Dame game, which was, you know, it was close. They're just yeah. going through people, and it's almost like I think the only thing that could hurt either one of these teams is if the starting quarterback goes down. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, right? I think that's a big part of it. You look at, uh, at CJ at Ohio State, and it really has a great command of the offense. And, and really, to me, again, what's impressive is they're doing it so many different ways. A couple of weeks ago, we saw them really highlight the tight end position uh, and, and really start to four-speed the tight end. We've seen some situations where now they're throwing to a fullback out in the flat. And you talk about Marvin Harrison. I mean, I, I, that dude's a tough cover. You know, okay. talk about it, being 6'4", 210. Howard, is it just me? I, I think, look, I know I'm projecting here. I think he may be better than his old man when he gets to the league because he's bigger. <laughs> he is bigger. He, he's probably more physical at this particular point. I'm going to tell you where he is. He runs routes like his dad. And his dad wasn't six. Two ten, right, and and that that's what you know. So many people are going to have a difficult uh, situation trying to cover him because he <laughs> runs routes like he's five eleven, six foot. Right, he can I, come in and out of breaks. And if you ever watch big receivers, they really have to idle down and try to drop their hips and try to do some things to come out of breaks. You don't see that with him. No, you don't. I mean, I, I felt bad because when they played Michigan State, Chuck Brantley. Did everything mm-hmm. that you could yeah. do on that catch that he made that that made mm-hmm. highlights all around the country and 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 Bradley is looking at, like at Mel Tucker like what else was I supposed to do, Coach? What you want me to do? I, right, I, I did everything. I turned my head. I, I went for him step for step. This guy's catch radius was just I, at that point. I'm like, yep, this, he's he is going to be a major problem, and there, he still has another year to go, I believe. So. You know, he's going to terrorize the league <laughs> another another season. I mean, so, yeah, when I look at these two teams, and I look at what, what Michigan did to Penn State. Yeah. Penn State, uh-huh. number five rushing defense in the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gone. Um, yeah. In one game, Michigan out they, – they rushed for more yards than Penn State gave up the whole season. I, I don't know if that was just – you know, the lights were bright and, and, and James Franklin on the road against top ten teams doesn't have a great record or – 
Maybe oh, Penn State was we just overhyped them, man, because that was it was just too easy for Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and I, I don't think we overhyped Penn State, right? I, I don't think they've been overhyped. I, I don't think Minnesota had been overhyped. I'm sure we'll get around to them, but what we saw when when Penn State went to Auburn into a hostile environment and was able to come away with the win, what we saw was a was a Penn State defense that was flying all over the field. Now you just kind of wonder, are, are they built defensively to really take those people that want to they want to play offense out in space? That's when they match up well. I think that's what we learned last week versus Michigan. That Penn State is built to cover teams that, you know, want to throw it around, get the, get the ball in space, try to right. put teams in conflict. And, and they do it really well. But when they play, and you know, Coach Franklin mentioned this, some players mentioned this after the game. I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't use these words, but they were bullied on both sides of the, of yeah. the ball. Well, yeah, and the, the, he, well, that's Franklin, the issue. Yeah, Franklin did come out and say, "Well, you know, we we gonna have to recruit better and and get some bigger offensive linemen." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, you've been there for a while. Like, you, Bro, you, you've been there, yeah, yeah, right? You're in your second cycle." Of players, like, okay, I get it. If if you're a new coach, if you're Brett Bielema, if you're Mel Tucker, okay, you still don't have all your guys in. But it's like, Coach yeah. Franklin, come on, man. I, I, I can't let you ride with that one because you handpicked all of yeah. these guys. And, yeah, that uh, bullying was what happened because, man, that, that Michigan offensive line, Howard, I mean, we've been debating this here in this area is this Michigan team actually better than last year's team? Because last year they had a bunch of first-rounders on defense. You, you know, you, you, you had Aiden Hutchinson. You had a job mm -hmm. until he got hurt in, 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 uh, yep. at the combine. You had Dax Hill at the safety spot. But, man, the defense, I, I, I'm going to say it's almost a no-name defense where you don't really know where it's going to hit you, where the pressure's going to come from. But I'm, I'm a little more impressed with their defense this year than I am last year. Well, I think one of the reasons why you would be because you don't know who's going to necessarily be the one that's going to come up with the big plays. And to me, that's what's so impressive about this defense. I think, what was it, two weeks ago, they had seven sacks by seven different guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to compete against those 50-50 balls on the back end. And, and they are just flying around. And, and I think when you have established stars like Ojabo and Hutchison, right, you're going to set your offense to try to eliminate those two players. And then you got Dax Hill on the, on the back end, but you can kind of, by formation, kind of get him out of, of where he might want to be really effective unless Michigan decides they want to bring him down into the box and utilize his skill set that way, which they did some. Now, you don't really know who you need to set the defense and where you need to turn it to because these guys will step up and, and they're all making plays. And, you know, I think that's a huge um, you know, benefit for what they're doing right now. I think the schedule has really set up well for what Michigan needs to do from an offense, defense, special teams as well. And, and this was the first test, right? This is the first big test that we thought were going to be challenged. And the reality, they weren't. They weren't challenged at all. So no. <laughs> now all of a sudden they get a bye. They get a chance to get healthy because even if everybody's playing, you know, all the snaps, you know, guys have some nicks and, and bruises that they can that they can heal up on. And, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to come back. J.J. gets an opportunity to look at all the great things he did in the first half 
uh, before the buy and, and try to work on some of the things that need to happen, you know, in a second for them to make that run that they want to make. Yeah, and, and, and I think for, for Michigan, yeah. I mean, they got the buy coming up. They really haven't suffered from much injury. But, right. yeah, I, I am looking at this, and, yeah, for them, it's just Howard just stay <laughs> healthy. And, and we'll, we'll get to the game that they have coming up with Michigan State because I keep telling people yeah. you can in college you could never underestimate the value of hate. Hate yep. can sway a lot of things. On paper, it looks on paper, Michigan probably should have won the last two games. But for some uh-huh. reason, Mel Tucker was able to to tap into that D'Antonio vein and and bring all of that hate and resentment. And they went out there and they won two times against him. Like he's the only coach that started off his career two and zero against Michigan. We'll we'll get to that game a little bit later. But yeah, I look at this Michigan and an Ohio State team. I I don't see why. I think that, that one of them is going to – I think that their game that they play, if everything holds even and they go in undefeated, that's going to be a quarterfinal game because that the winner of that game I think makes it all the way in. But I do think that if Michigan loses, you talked about it a little bit. What's going to hurt them? That schedule. You yep. said it was the right schedule. Yeah. You – you could probably catch diabetes off that schedule. It was so, <laughs> it was so cupcake and so soft. So yeah, yeah. But, but but you know what? I, I, but I think when you think about uh, so so when I say it was the right schedule, you know, I'm talking about how it sets up for uh, the new coaches that are now in coordinating positions. Right? Uh, they have to understand and learn the team. Um, you, you talk about breaking in a new quarterback. It's a it's a it's a whole nother game. When you're used to coming off the bench and you come in for four or five plays and yeah. you know you're going to come in, you're probably going to run it. Uh, but when you're the guy and now people are preparing for you on a, a, a weekly basis to really force you into making mistakes, it, it's a different game. And to me, sure, J.J.'s made some mistakes. He, he's missed some receivers. But shoot, he's still I think he's still completing close to 80, if not 80 percent of his passes. What's scary is, I mean. When they get him involved in the run game, which they did a little bit last last week, and you think he was just under 50 yards, but when they start to run him, which yeah. they'll need to do in some of the, the bigger matchups that are coming up, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I mean, how do you slow him down? And they're not really showing a lot of the RPO stuff or haven't. But see, I think really there's a reason for that. I think the reason yeah. for that is, and it's, they won't say it, but it's so simple. Because Cade is out and we don't know how long he's going to be gone, there's no backup. So you run him on there the RPO and he gets mm-hmm. concussed, knocked out of a game, even for a series or two, you've now changed the whole thing because now you, you're going to be bringing in uh, the backup QB and Orgy and he's not yeah. the same. Now I think teams yeah. are going to dial it up and come after him. So I don't think you're going to see – I was surprised that he ran for, for so many yards last week on so many RPOs. That shocked me because I kind of figured yeah. you're, you're, you're going to hold him back a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. We haven't seen that element because that's the element that everybody's been telling me because I, I was saying, look, Kay did everything possible to keep the job. I don't see why you're taking it yeah. away. But they were like, no, mm-hmm. but he, he brings something different. I'm, I'm still waiting to see that difference. I saw a little bit against Penn State, but I, I guess I'm waiting yeah. to see that that thing that separates him from Kay McNamara, who I thought never should have lost the job. I'm like, all he did was win you the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, yeah. took you to the playoffs, and got the <laughs> handshake and said, we'll take it from here. 
Yeah, it is a tough situation, obviously, from the quarterback perspective and who won the, ultimately won it. But, you know, I think if you, at the end of the day, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're looking for you, – you need to put your best players out there. And, and listen, Kate, Kate did an unbelievable job. And listen, he's been dealing with this stuff going back to high school, having to always look over the shoulder – Remember, he was voted team captain, too. Yeah. He's still, still a captain. So That's true. You know, it's obviously what guys feel about him in that locker room. But this other side is, I mean, J.J. is just that good. The difference-making part of it is, I think, what pushed him over the edge. And I think the challenge becomes, you mentioned it, yeah, you don't want to get him hurt because you're going to need him. But as these games start to mount, as, and I'm looking, you know, really, you talk about Ohio State. Is, you know, right now, he's going to run. If he pulls it down, he's going to scramble, get some yardage, some things like that. But when this thing is when this thing gets tight, uh, he's got to be able to make some play, and he can. And the reality, it's not a lot of it on tape. So I, I think teams are, from a defensive standpoint, you know, they want to try to do the best job to keep him in the pocket because if he breaks contain, yeah. oh, forget about it. Right now, in his mind, he's still trying to throw the ball down the field. And that's what he's trying to do. So he scrambles around. He may get caught holding the ball a little too long. But that's just that learning process. He's always trying to make that play. But yeah. When yeah. that dude gets comfortable, forget it. Well, he found, I think he got a little too comfortable against Penn State. because, I, And you'll know the play that I'm talking about when he scrambled and kind of floated it up there. He completed yeah, it, I think, yeah. to Corum. But then the camera cut away to Harbaugh. And he, I swear mm-hmm. to God, Howard, he looked like that parent <laughs> that caught you speeding on the freeway and you uh-huh. didn't know that he, they saw you on the freeway and was like, uh-huh, wait till we get home and talk about mm-hmm. that. This, yeah. that was not going to happen again, son. Throw it away. Yeah. You do that against and, and Ohio just, State and that's a pick six. But to me, that's the learning process of, of a player, right? That's also the learning process of the coach trying to coach the player. You know, I, listen, you can, you can, You'll be mad at Harbaugh if you're a Michigan fan, uh, a Cade fan. You do all of that stuff. But but I'm thinking what he's been able to do as far as his coaching staff is concerned, as, part, as far as getting these players ready to go each and every week, he's done an unbelievable job of it in getting them to this point. And these players are responding to it. And, yeah. you know, J.J. is going to have to learn. And the best way of learning is to be able to put it on tape to see it. Yeah. You, know, you can go and say, listen, man, this is what we need to do. And I think the other side of it, you know, is J.J. is a kid that's going to look inward and understand hey, that's probably not the best play. I, I shouldn't do that. And all he needs to do is look at look to the sideline. But he's going to be coached. That's the thing. He's going to be coached up on it, and he won't make the same mistake twice because the reality is, as you just mentioned, you can't make that when you're trying to win a championship game or the Big Ten title. No, you can't. Now, I do want to talk about what I think is a team that nobody has talked about, Howard. And yeah. I'm not doing this because you're joining the show today, <laughs> but it's Illinois. Illinois may be the best 6-1 yeah. and one team that no one in college football is talking about. They're not really sexy, but they just keep winning and winning. And while everybody's focused on the Big Ten East, I think you probably are going to see a new person representing the Big Ten West next year. And Brett yeah. Bielema, what, in his second year? I mean, this man has turned this thing around. I'll even say this. He's playing so well at Illinois that he went into Wisconsin, played old-school Wisconsin football, and I do think that that's one of the reasons why, why Paul Chris got let go because 
it was a little embarrassed. Man, you, you never want to look bad when your ex is around. You know, you, you got to be on point. And your ex came in and looked a lot better than you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, you know, the Badgers, they've got a lot of things going on up there right now, and I'm not saying they're negative or anything. I'm just, it's just a lot that's going on. Uh, and maybe it got, clearly it gotten stale and they decided they wanted to go in a different direction. But what, what Brett Bielema has done, I mean, he is, uh, you know, he obviously stepped into the job uh, with Wisconsin and, and had a great deal of success, right? So much success that other people wanted to hire him. And then he has the opportunity to go to Arkansas. And I wouldn't call it a failure, but it, it wasn't where uh, Arkansas wanted to be as far as the program winning enough games and as far as Bielema. And then he goes off to the pros, learns a lot about not only himself, but but understands what he needs to do to try to, um, you know, be a better coach. And the Brett Bielema that Illinois was able to hire is a different guy than was going to championships and Rose Bowls yeah. when he was in Madison. It's a much more mature Brett Bielema, right? And he understands exactly what he expects. He understands how to press the buttons uh, of the players. And he's got really two really top flight young coordinators that the reality is it's going to be a lot of people, you know, looking for both these coordinators to, to lead their programs. They're doing so because of what they've been able to do in their second year and talking about on the offensive side in year one. So this thing is, I mean, you talk about a team that plays tough defense, uh, harasses the quarterback on a consistent basis, never allows the quarterback to get comfortable and the back end, it continues to take the football away. And, you know, it's just been a masterful job that they've been able to do uh, in Champaign this year. I mean, I'm looking at it, and, you know, I think Chase Brown's probably one of the best running backs nobody talks about. Like, mm -hmm. this, I mean, they they just keep getting it done, and yeah. I, I guess maybe they just need a marquee game or they need to be on TV at some primetime spot mm -hmm. or go up against a team. But Howard, I mean, as an alum, man, you got to be yeah. sitting around in the, in the blue and orange just proud and smiling <laughs> saying, I think we may be back. Yeah, if it was homecoming last week, I broke out my Letterman's jacket. Yes, my original one. I can, I can still fit it, but I broke it out. And it's no question. I, I think that, you know, I had an opportunity to spend some time with Brett and um, sit in some of his team meetings. And the way he coaches the game, the way he the de he's so detail-oriented, uh, putting his team through situational football, he's really done a great job of being able to do that. And, and the players – you know, these are players that, you know, were recruited by Lovey Smith. And, yes, he's had some people to come in through the transfer portal to have some success, too. But this is predominantly Lovey Smith's roster. And people would have said, ah, well, you know, Lovey didn't do a great job recruiting. Well, clearly, one or two things. I mean, the players, they got players that can play. You just need to make sure that you can adapt the, the system to what they need to be able to do to have success. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I didn't think about that. I mean, because... I don't think it was a ton of people that left. I mean, unlike, you know, at MSU, when, when Tucker came in, I, I mean, it's like 55 players are gone from, you know, the Mark yeah. D'Antonio team. So that's yeah. basically a brand new team where he took the guys and convinced them to say and said, you know what, how about we try things a little differently, but I can get you from this level to this level, and it's working. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this team, and, I, I'm impressed, Howard. I, I, I really am. I mean, because I said. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe for them, they may be in the perfect spot because they will play the University of Michigan. But it's a, to mm-hmm. me, I say it's the perfect spot because it's the week before Ohio State. So you got to think yeah. to yourself, how focused is Michigan going to be on Illinois? Because they may think mm-hmm. it's like everybody else, a week beat them. So mm-hmm. that may be their chance to just go to that, to that next level. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I, I think the other challenge, too, is, and I was wondering how this was going to play out in this last week's game. Uh, you know, they have a big win. They, they go out and they do do some things. Are, are Now everybody's telling them how good they are. They were finally ranked, uh, hadn't been ranked in like 11 years. Uh, was there going to be some sort of a letdown? And it, it really wasn't. And, you know, to me, that's just a testament to the players uh, that are running around there on campus and, and on the field that, that they're listening and they're dialed in to, the messages coming from the front of the room, whether it's Coach Bielema, whether it's their position coaches, they're doing a really good job at that. And you mentioned Chase Brown. That dude is something special now. He he, he's really getting it done and playing well. And, you know, Blake Quorum is, is killing it as well. And, and to think that, you know, the Big Ten Conference, you know, has two of the best runners in, in all of the country right now. I think they're one and two, <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Or in yards per carry, they're up there as well. So, you know, those are two dynamic players that, that are doing big things for their programs. Yeah, and we even even mentioned Trevion Henderson at Ohio State. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Big Ten's kind of loaded. I think they're ready for the cold weather to kick in. And when all the passing game goes awry, and now you got to <laughs> run the ball because it's cold and it's bad weather. It's going to be a fun, the, the final, what, six weeks of this season. I think it's going to be fun. Like I said, I hope some other teams can join the party. But right now, you're probably looking at Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois on that fringe. Like, okay, we're going to play the winner of those two. We'll see what happens. Also, we kind of touched them. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you know the crazy thing that, that nobody's talking about, including myself? Purdue's sitting there waiting in the wings. Now, Purdue, <laughs> okay. they ain't going anywhere all of a sudden. They didn't start to run the football and have success. Just when we thought they were done, they're right back in the mix. So yeah. I think you look at the West – Right now, it's it's Illinois and Purdue, two programs that we've not talked about having a chance to really represent uh, the West in Indy, and this looks like that might be the year. You know why? 
because it's personal with me and Purdue because I, I, I believed in Purdue. I said Purdue was going to do some stuff, and then they let me yeah. down week one where I thought they had the mm-hmm. game won. They lost to Penn State. Okay, it happens. I still haven't gotten over how they lost to Syracuse. I don't yeah. know how you take the lead and then get hit mm-hmm. with two personal, not one, two personal foul penalties. Yeah, yeah. You end up kicking the ball off from the 10. I, what I saw in the last 51 seconds of that game, I, I felt like, you know what, maybe maybe Purdue just isn't ready for the bright lights because I, yeah. I, I can understand if you were losing. You were winning. What is going on here? And yeah, they they ended up losing to a Syracuse team that I don't think is lost yet. But still, yeah, you had they, that they, game. Not a bad team. Yeah, and, and, and now but I think the other side. Oh, go ahead. So, so check this out, Rico. Uh, you you mentioned those two personal fouls. Oh, by the way, one was on the head coach, right? <laughs> yeah, stretch as well. Look at that loss to Purdue, uh, Penn State. They couldn't tackle anybody. No, it, it seemed like they needed like twenty five people on the field to tackle in, in the second half of that game. So. But now, I mean, they're they're playing really well, and they man, are. it's just interesting to see where they are. And and to me, what they've done is they've kind of had to win some different ways. Um, when Aiden uh, was hurt, you know, they had to bring in their backup quarterback, and they called a different style of game. And now they're you know again back up and rolling uh, and trying to make some things happen. Yeah, they are. I, and so maybe it's just personal for me because I just <laughs> I, I don't I like when. When the lights, there's certain teams, man, it's they'll knock on them, but when the lights are the brightest, they they find a way to wilt. And and Purdue is one of those teams to me. Maryland's one of those teams to me. Minnesota is one of those teams where you believe in them, you think and Penn State, the second you think, yeah. okay, they're about to do it, turn on the lights, and they fall on their face. And you're sitting there like, I, I thought they were gonna be better than that. Penn State, I thought they were gonna be better than where they were last week. Week against Michigan. Now, a, a team that we and we kind of talked to touched upon a little bit earlier, talking about Leonard now at, at Wisconsin. They came in, they played Michigan State last week. And 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 I guess I understand maybe Wisconsin wants to go back to Wisconsin football, but Howard, even as a Michigan State alum, I'm sitting there thinking, Wisconsin, you may have the wrong game plan. You're going up against one of the worst secondaries in college football, and you want to run the ball? I mean, the past couple quarterbacks who played Michigan State, they've been the Big Ten Player of the Week offensively. Like, it, it's Tanner Morgan, C.J. Stroud. Like, yeah. when, you, when you play the Spartans, you know, you throw the ball around. That's what you want to do. Why do you think Wisconsin chose to try to run the ball against a defense that gives up the pass to you and I can go out there? and quarterback and probably get 250 yards. Yeah, I think part of the problem with uh, Wisconsin right now is, is, is they don't have an identity of, of who they want to be. Now, you know, they, they brought in Bobby Ingram, who's really their offense right now, because I think Paul Chris wanted to, to make some changes in what they want to do. Uh, but what they have to do is be able to run the ball. And listen, I, I know Graham Mertz uh, two weeks ago threw for five touchdowns. But we hadn't seen Graham Mertz play like that since his freshman year, I think the first game that he started. Right. Since then, or before that, last week, um, you know, he would have some turnovers. The ball would be fumbled, not necessarily by him, but they'd have some un- uh, 
some situations where, you know, fumbles would happen and it would change the pace of the game. Um, but I was really, to me, this was a, a, a telltale for me because this is where a game you would have thought they would have been able to come in, throw it around. I, I don't necessarily think that they didn't think they were going to be able to do it because they still had to be able to test Graham. And, and Graham Mertz kind of went right back to, to the guy that he's been uh, before the week before. Now, running the ball, I, I think they have some issues up front where they're not they're not nearly controlling the line of scrimmage like they used to in previous years on either side of the ball. So, so I think one of the things that happens, you know, I think Graham Mertz is, is an unbelievable talent, but he's made mistakes, right? Whether it's turning the football over, uh, whether it's maybe missing some receivers downfield. So you thought going into this Michigan State game, they just want to throw it around. But I think they're trying to run the ball, and they recognize that they've got to run the ball to take some pressure off Graham's Okay, Michigan State's they've seen Graham throw for five touchdowns. They're going to set up to try to slow down and run uh, the pass, and we will be able to run it. And they just haven't been able to run the ball with the effectiveness that they've needed outside of, you know, earlier this season. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the Badgers have to kind of figure out who they want to be uh, as an offense. And it's going to take some growing pains because, you know, they've had some injuries Um you probably can look to recruiting, uh, particularly in the offensive line that, you know, kind of hasn't panned out. I guess a couple of guys have jumped into the transfer portal uh, this week already. So, you know, they've got some things going on. But it, okay. it was a good win for Michigan State at the end of the day because that's who needed to win. Right. And you know what? But Before we get to that Michigan State part, you, I saw something that I really have never seen, Howard. You, you, you've been in locker rooms before. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't before it was before the portal, but uh, one of the – Old lineman from Wisconsin goes into the portal, does all the right things, thanks his coaches, his teammates, and okay, I'm going into the portal. But then the next day, uh, Leonard comes, the coach comes out and was like, yeah, you got kicked off the team, so where else was you going to go? Have you ever seen anything like that before? Yeah, and I think a little, I haven't, right? And I think one of the things that happened, at least it hasn't gotten out into the public domain. Now, yeah, I know some situations where players have been kicked off, but the, the coaches say, hey, well, you know, at the end of the day, we want you to be able to get into a, you know, another program. And, you know, at least publicly, we're not going to throw that, throw you under the bus. You think about the guy. I mean, he's a former five-star athlete. Right. You know, off the climate, uh, that was there that, that really hasn't panned out for him for whatever reason. But, you know, being a head coach, Man, that's not for the faint of heart. And you need to, there are a lot of things that go into it. And, and when you see guys thrust into this, the interim mode that, that haven't had that experience of being a head coach before, there are going to be mistakes you know that what? are made. That's, that, you and know and even the that's seasoned fair. guys make mistakes. But guys that haven't been used to sitting in that corner office, that now all of a sudden their responsibility was only for half of the football team, and you didn't really have to know about what was going on. That wasn't your deal. Now you need to know academics and all these other things, recruiting. There is a lot that goes into it, and you know it, you know, being around both of the programs in Michigan. It takes a lot to be a head coach. And, and sometimes, you know, these guys, you know, step in it. And, and I think that's what happened. I don't think it was malicious, but you, you, you don't want to go out and publicly, you know, say something negative about 
you know, one of your former players, right. at least publicly, no matter what the situation may have been behind the scenes. Right. It was like, next thing you know, Logan Brown caught a stray. Like, wow, didn't see yeah. that coming because he, he did all the right things. And like mm-hmm. I said, it's a breakup. And you know when you break up with people, yeah, it's some hostility. But in the end, guess what? You somebody else's problem, not mine anymore. And you just got to keep thinking that way. All right, Mel Tucker gets a win. He ends a four-game losing streak. I mean, I, I don't know what it was like nationally, but I know locally I, I felt bad for the man because everybody kept throwing his contract up in his face and what about this and you not earning your money. You got How relieving do you think that game was for them winning it in double overtime against Wisconsin? I think it was big, you know, it, you know, it might be the understatement of the year, right? I and mean, you think about all the success that Michigan State had last year, then you think about the new, the new contract. And, you know, that's just not – listen, Coach Franklin's going through the same thing right now, too, yeah. when you talk about contracts. And, yeah. And all these guys, uh, you know, you can look at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher, uh, yeah. Yeah. When you start to make the kind of money that, that – the coaches now are are in a position to make, uh, you're going to be criticized. And and it's going to be harsh when things aren't going the way that the people and the fan base believe that it should go. And one of the first things that people are going to say, particularly for, you know, some guys that haven't been head coaches for, for a long time, is, okay, was he the right guy? How do we know this was fit? Then they go back and they start looking at Tate and they start looking – well, you know, they barely won this game, you know. So that's part of it. But that's part of, you know, why you're the head coach. I mean, you've got to find a way to, uh, you know, try to maneuver through that personally. you got to work through it. But really, you got to worry about that team. you got to make sure that they're playing at the best level that they can. And, and I know you spent time around the program, I, and I have too. And I know what, he's, what he wants out of these guys right. is – the style of play he wants. I mean, he's doing all the right things, but it is a process to to uh, mold a team into the image that you want, particularly when you have as much turnover as you know as they've had there. And, and listen, a lot of people would point to, you know, well, Kenneth Walker and all the success he had. Man, it, it, those dudes are few and far between. <laughs> it is, but is, but I keep telling people. Right, but I keep telling people, like, they actually just won a lot of games off of, I thought, just believing that whole keep chopping. They just believed in the system because Walker, Walker really didn't help them win four games last year, but everybody forgot about that. Everybody just remembers the Michigan game, but I remember yeah. the Indiana game where Indiana just held him to almost nothing. North, I mean, Nebraska held him to nothing. You know, there were games where he struggled, but they still mm-hmm. found a way to win, and, and which leads right. me to wonder— I mean, I saw that game against Wisconsin, and you had uh, X coming back. You had Jacob Slade coming back. You had a lot of people coming back on the D-line that they were able to move mm-hmm. Jacoby Winman back to the linebacker spot, which yeah. got me to thinking because Scotty Hazleton is almost like a four-letter word in this area. I mean, people do not like him, the defensive <laughs> coordinator. But it, And then I, I came out with something very unpopular, but I'm like, honestly, guys, it may be the Jimmys and the Joes. Like, maybe they don't have the players that they need. It reminded me a lot of back when Pat Narduzzi was here, and he told Mm -hmm. us, like, everybody wanted him to run out of town, and he was like, guys, I don't have my players yet. But mark my words, when I get my players, 
you're going to see a different defense out there. Hence, the no-fly zone came in. A lot of guys going to the NFL because I look and I'm like, they don't have a ton of NFL-caliber players on this defense, but you saw the difference just when Slade and X makes it back to the lineup, how you can now Mm -hmm. move different people around. And the defense was... I mean, for the last two games, even though Ohio State scored a ton of points, first of all, that was Ohio State, but the defense looked yeah. a lot better than what they did against Minnesota, where, my goodness, Minnesota didn't punt the ball all day. I know there's an article written, and you mentioned this 50-plus you know, guys that, that have left the program, and I, I want to say the majority of those guys had to step down in level. Yeah. Uh, as far as, as uh, the Division the two, group of, of five, play. yeah. Yeah, so... You know, that that speaks volumes itself. But, you know, I also think that Mel Tucker's not going to use that as an excuse. I think what you have to do is, is just, listen, the same thing is happening, but, but they're a little further, they're further along right now. But it's taking Maryland some time mm-hmm. with Mike Loxley and what yeah. they're doing out there um, to, to get to the point where they are right now, where, you know, they have the, the you know, the quarterback that they want Although he got banged up last week, but they have the wide receivers that are difference makers. But it's in the the offense and defensive line where things always have to change when you're talking about making that jump, right, Mm -hmm. to where the Ohio States of the world are, where the the Michigan is right now. That is a big jump uh, for a lot of the teams in the East, or a lot of teams really in this conference to get to. And And it's not easy. Uh, but it, so it takes time. So right now, Michigan isn't going anywhere right. at all. I mean, right. it looks this thing looks like a well-oiled machine to where they are now. The trick now for for Coach Tucker and his staff is to continue to do a great job of evaluating east to you know east to west, north to south, as far as the players concerned. Uh, be, be able to plug in some of those guys when when you talk about going into the transfer portal. One of the things that, and this isn't a knock on you know guys that are that are heavy into the transfer portal because it's really what it is. But I look at the transfer portal, and a lot of coaches look at it as NFL free agency. Yeah. And guys go into NFL free agency and they make these big splashes. But why did they have to make those big splashes and go after these players? Right. Because on the NFL side, of it, they make mistakes on guys they drafted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then you have to go into the you have to go into free agency, and sometimes you have to overpay for players that may be a little bit older. Now, obviously, the, it's different at the college game, but it's still the same thing. You're having to plug in because there are deficiencies, whether a player panned out or not, at the college level. And listen, most of the players don't play, pan out. Right. Twenty five, you know, everybody's not going to play. It's just the way it is. Um, so you know, they kind of have to use the portal to get into it, but. The, the better job you can do uh, evaluating and getting the right people into your program, which I think Coach Tucker is, is continuing to do, the better the program is going to be because that's where it has to go. You have to continue to, to elevate the recruiting if you want to compete. And that's with divisions. Yeah, We ain't even talking about once divisions go away because I probably <laughs> believe that's going to happen. So we ain't got to that part yet. So – you know, you got to be able to take advantage of the opportunities when, when they're out there. But, you know, I think they'll be able to bounce back. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they ultimately respond uh, in the next game and see what Michigan State is is really about. But 
we talk about the defense, but offensively, I'll say this real quick too. The old line has not been playing anywhere near where they need to play to be able to keep the quarterback upright mm-hmm. and be able to get the running backs uh, to the first level, back to the line of scrimmage. Forget getting them to the second level. Right. The backs have had a struggling time just getting to the line of scrimmage. Now that's where Kenneth Walker. The ball that's where Kenneth Walker showed a lot of Barry Sanders in him. Where he and you're seeing that in the league now. He, you know what? Just give me the ball. Give me a little crease. I can do the rest. Where mm-hmm. most running backs need to see a hole open up, and they need to just yeah. try to get. Get me through the first level, and I can try to do something to the second level. And you're right. That's this offensive line. It's really bad. I know he's brought in a lot of guys, but they're young. And, and you know, I had people like, well, why don't you just play the young guys? And unfortunately, but the best example happened during Ohio State with, with Jaden Mangum. That's what happens when you put a guy out there who shouldn't be out there. Travion Henderson yeah. hit him with 40 pounds of muscle. It mm-hmm. wasn't a dirty hit but he knocked him out. And I'm like, see, Mangum should have never been out there in the first place. That's why you just mm-hmm. don't play young guys. And, you know, old linemen, you, you, they need time. I mean, most old linemen need like a year or two to bulk up and get bigger and better just to go out there to handle some NFL edge rushers coming at them. Yeah, oh, no doubt. I mean, it, it doesn't matter whether you're recruiting, you know, that, that top 25 player in the country. It's an offensive lineman. He needs some time, too. Right. You only need to look at Ohio State, and, and they've got an offensive line with, with some guys that were rated like that. But it's taking them a little time uh, to get going. Um, but that's that's the nature of the position. And not not to mention, it's just not that one individual. It's the other four, too. Right. And then you count the tight end, so they have to be a cohesive unit. And the only way to be able to do that is, is to get a lot of practice time together and, and to start to form – you know, that type of bond as a unit, because those guys, unlike any other position on the field, all five of those guys have to be on the same page. Exactly. And one of them lets down and, and believes that they see something else, then it's a play that's going nowhere. Yep, exactly. But now, and it's funny because you were talking about the transfer portal and see, this is why I, I brought you on, Howard. You said it's so much nicer where, you know, it's like NFL free agency and sometimes it just doesn't work out. I've often equated the transfer portal to shopping at the Goodwill store or the Salvation Army. <laughs> the reason being, it's not a knock because sometimes you can find the best value. You find that one knife, like you lost this a knife set, but that one knife that you needed was there and you complete the set. Or you find something that somebody got rid of that they had no, they didn't know what the value of it was. But most of the stuff in there, probably stuff that people just didn't want and you could take it, but it's not going to work for you either, and you're going to put it back in there. And that's how I see the transfer portal, because people are like, well, you can just go to the portal. It's like, no, if you're good, you're still on a team. You're not in the portal. You're not leaving. You know, they you find a way to stick around. So I like how you put it. I, I've often <laughs> said it's, 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 the, it's the Goodwill store, which I've, I found some great things there, but most of the this stuff— Yeah, most <laughs> of the stuff is stuff that people— didn't really want. And yeah, I always say like, cause people, I'm like, how many people at Michigan say, how many people do you miss that went into the portal? How many kids are you like, man, I wish this kid was here. Yeah, you're uh-huh. right. I, I, I guess we don't exactly. That's how everybody else kind of feels when they like, I'm sure Wake Forest was probably saw the Kenneth Walker stuff and was like, really? We let this guy go really? But then they yeah. had still two good running backs 
in and of himself. Uh, you brought up something. I Maybe we'll talk about this on Thursday about the expansion. Because I still got a theory, man. I don't think USC and UCLA are ever going to make it here. With the college mm. football expanding, it's one of those, let's think this through, guys. Maybe we should just stay here in the Pac-12 and we could always make it in. Because let's look at what Nebraska and Penn State did when they joined the Big Ten. Things mm-hmm. weren't as rosy as they thought, but we we'll, we'll we'll get to that on we'll get to that a little bit later on. But Howard, I appreciate you joining me on here, folks. He's going to be with me. This is Howard Griffith. You see him on the Big Ten Network. You see behind him, he's got Super Bowl trophies, <laughs> set records at Illinois. This guy's the man, and I was fortunate enough to have him join me here on the Five Star Zone for Howard. This is Rico. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Keep subscribing. And we will be back later on this week.